We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and we have reached the end of this crazy whirlwind season with the Lakers going 43 and 39. And guys, oh, how I wish we could travel back in time six to eight months to tell our past selves, you know, all of this is going to end in the seventh seed and a 43 and 39 record and a team that you feel pretty good about the talent level, right? And so that's where we are, is we are, the opportunity is ahead of us. We did not get the safety of a seven-game series. We probably did not deserve it. We lost one too many stupid games. Uh, as I said last week, this is a, a just end, uh, but we are playing a Minnesota team that is punching each other, punching walls, that is without Nas Reed, who's been very important for them. Mike, things are set up for us to do some things. Uh, we signed a couple players this weekend, but I'd love to hear the closing thoughts of the team and just your perspective from on the ground because just I, I feel like exhaling at the end of this season. Yeah, I asked Darvin Ham a variation of that question after the game last night. Just, hey, where this team was in early February, clearly you would take this, uh, this type of opportunity, right? And just to, just to rewind, so on February... Fourth, actually, actually, let's go back. Let's go past that. Let's go February 9th, 25 and 31. Um, that was after the the New Orleans loss, then uh, at New Orleans, then the OKC loss when LeBron passed Kareem, and then mm-hmm. the loss to Milwaukee before the new guys that had been acquired at the trade deadline played. So six games under 500. And to go from 25 and 31 to 43 and 39 um, is, I don't want to say remarkable given the talent that they had, but still, that's quite a run. And even against so these last couple games, take out the Clipper game, which we're kind of blaming on the schedule gods. Utah, Phoenix, and Utah, again, just playing crazy hard the whole time. And yet, not really, you couldn't really scout for them in the same way because it was totally random who was going to take shots. And I, I don't think they played certainly their best defense. And you could tell that that was frustrating Anthony Davis some mm-hmm. um, in, in the walk-off interview that I did Me with too. him. Me too. Yeah. And, 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 I, and, but I'm, Having been like being in the arena for those games, those are really hard games to play. They just yeah. are. 
it's a weird mix mm-hmm. of, of yeah. not not even twelve thirty. Just the looking across at the opponent, sure. knowing that they're not taking the game seriously as an organization, but that the players can't wait to try and kick your ass. They got nothing to lose. Guns blazing. Those those truly are hard games to focus for the full forty eight. And the Lakers did enough. You know, they they end up winning. Other than the game at Utah, of course, they have to go to OT, but they end up winning eventually comfortably. Like it was 128, 117. The previous game was 121, 107. So they get the job done to the extent that they could control it. Yes, it would have been great to be in the sixth seed and have this whole week off and then go get to play Sacramento. But the opportunity to play what's going to be very likely a pretty shorthanded Minnesota team with a bunch of their issues. And and now I think the chance to see the full on like the actual Laker team that is not going to piss um, Darius off for not getting Anthony Davis the ball enough, which by the way, I was, I was feeling that too, or make Pete mad for not being serious enough throughout the course of a game. I do think that that's in there. And I think that that can, that can come out if not perfectly. um, I think that that can come out against the wolves and then we can, you know, we can start talking about a series against Memphis, but uh, let's curtail that for now and stick on this. Uh, sounds like kind of the more of an overarching look at things. But I'm Darius. My simple point is just that I think they did a, a really good job overall, uh, and to get to this spot, and they've given they've, they've given themselves a true chance to make some noise uh, if they take care of business on Tuesday. Last three games were definitely um, results over process, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you take, sometimes you just take that. Right. And so Lakers won nine of their final 11 games to push to the point that they are. Right. And so they are from that point that Mike mentioned, if they were six games under 500 on the night of the trade deadline and they finish four games over 500, my simple math tells me that in the span of a month and a half, they went 10 games over 500 to close the season, which in a bunch of those games, LeBron James didn't play. AD sat out a weird back-to-back where no one really knew he was going to sit, seemingly. No one on the outside, mm-hmm. internally. I'm, I'm sure that there were discussions and whatnot. But to win at the rate that they did, Pete, like, it kind of is remarkable. Like, Mike was like, uh, like, not really remarkable, but kind of. Would you put it all into perspective that way? I, I was musing on part of the in the vein of the results over process uh, idea is we won our last two games playing like crap, crap, but shooting amazing. We hit 18 threes in yes. both of those games. And it's such an uh, amusing bookend to the season that started yes. with the, the gang that couldn't shoot straight where we were actually playing pretty well. And when I say this, I mean, the events that happened before the shot and the shot, a lot of times I will count as two different things right because you could do all this great work and we were doing this d to start out the season and get a guy a wide open look clank right meanwhile these last two games malik beasley gets a a bit hot d is just you know doing his thing austin obviously we've got so much offensive firepower that you can hear Stu lance like rate like pissed off about how disinterested they look and still we're getting yes. like a buck 21 128 because we're making shots just a, a very amusing finish to the season compared to how it started well it's just a totally different team the first team we'll call it the first lakers team the first lakers team definitely laid the foundation and had a lot of alignment in terms of how darvin ham wanted to play with the spacing and the running habits and playing fast and being energetic and being a defensive team and generating the types of shots that they just happen to miss all of them this same group the second lakers team does a lot of those same same things but they have 
they have a gear on offense that the earlier team could not reach unless they were just an unbelievable defensive team that allowed them to get out into transition. Mm -hmm. Their success on offense was going to be driven in a very specific way. This group can do that stuff too. Mm -hmm. We saw that in like the run where they came back against the Mavs and it was almost all defense fueled. And it was like, oh my goodness, like, look at this team. They are smothering defensively. They're forcing stops and they're just getting out in transition. But they could also Mm -hmm. be the team. Yeah, the Minnesota game too. This version of the team, though, also has that gear, Mike, where it's like, oh, LeBron just dribbled the air out of the ball for 18 seconds. And now he's driving and got swallowed up by three guys who were packing the paint. And he like flings it to D'Lo with a second and a half on the shot clock. D'Lo goes into a no dip jumper where and just flings it. Basically, this mm-hmm. is natural shooting motion. He's not like forcing it or anything but he's like oh guy in my face doesn't matter i'm just shooting right over the top of you because i'm a six five point guard and it's mm-hmm. like and he splashes it home for one of his six made three pointers on nine attempts that night and it's just like uh this is different and this group can sleepwalk defensively to <laughs> not the bemusement of their all NBA level big man that literally in the jazz game, we were laughing at that sequence bike where he just was erasing. And I, I don't even know which player it was, but he must've erased that dude four times at the yeah, rim. Simonis, right? Yeah. 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 Simonis was kept challenging him at AD. AD even baited him that last one where he like literally like packed him at the top of the square. AD like sort of invited the pass. Like, I'm not even going to act like I care about you passing to this dude right now. And then when you do pass, I'm just going to jump up. And did you see the dejected look? Like yeah. his shoulders slumped great. after he got blocked. Oh man, AD was on one. My favorite was the, was the two on one that he stopped without just by kind of like giving an up fake and Akbaji oh, just, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, yes. He just traveled and then he like kind of wanders back down the court like damn it <laughs> that no tremendous stuff from from adn but in the middle of that d he's like to his guards he's like can you mfs guard somebody like can you yes. please like stop this onslaught into the paint <laughs> well here let me let me add on to that quickly though darius so the not only was ad frustrated at that but he was annoyed and i and i love this at not getting the ball when he should have, which, so you were pointing out during the game and then after the game. So if you, if you watch the walk-off, I put it up on my Instagram. If you didn't get a chance to see it, AD, when you first, when you see the tape start recording, he's got a big smile on his face. A second earlier, he had a big frown on his face until LeBron came up to him and was like, and like started going like this, uh, basically pulling his, (laughs) his lips up. And AD, I love that AD was pissed because he, it's, it's so dumb now, Stu keeps saying it on the broadcast. Like it's right. Give him the basketball anytime he wants it, especially if he's in a good position. So I, you really want him to be channeling that type of feeling of dominance for himself as you go into these games that really matter because they could trick him off a couple, a couple possessions against Utah's B team and against, but like, no, that, that has to stop going into this playoff stretch. I have a bit of grace for the way these last few games went in part because I was watching other teams go through very similar games uh, throughout the league against groups that were benching their guys. Right. Yes. League pass perspective, Pete. There we go. Yes, absolutely. That's just, for some reason, that's what the last week of the NBA regular season has become. I will save my gripes for the overall structural issues. I think we have, have for the offseason but 
with respect to AD kicking ass and getting him the ball, like that's how we won the game against Minnesota. If we don't take the lessons of that, we're going to be in trouble in the playoff in the play in game because he had what, like 19 in the fourth quarter against Cat and, and Gobert. And that's something that when we go away from that, I guess I'm not convinced that that isn't a part of our DNA and that we're not going to have multiple other totally. stretches D where it's like, you guys know you have Anthony Davis on the floor, right? And that's it. I do think AD plays a part of this too. This is always my little bit of pushback, which I know is not what you're you're not pushing back against that necessarily but i do think that there is not a like there are oftentimes there's not an intentional effort to get him the ball and he's so good that you got to do it i also think though that we've our stars have needed a couple of games to kind of chill in that respect i thought it was a great game for lebron to hit some threes but anyway ad get him the ball that's going to be very important against minnesota there are levels to the gripe right just like there are levels to like the displeasure scale or whatever and so (laughs) like when one of the things that I dislike most is when is there's the level of like, we're not doing anything to try to get this guy involved. Right. That's like, that's like this, what the hell, like quit being dumb. Right. Mm -hmm. But as a guy who played point guard his whole life as a basketball player, there's this sense of, I have this acute awareness of when a guy is doing something and, and my best player, the best player on like the teams that I play played on was a big dude. Right. And so I have an acute sense of when a big guy is like wanting the ball, even if he doesn't have the hand up, even if he's not fighting for like for a position, you can just tell when a big guy is just like, what the hell? And there was a sequence when AD had sort of ridden his guy up the lane line a little bit. And he was sort of establishing position, right? And the ball was on his side of the court. And so you could tell he's just about to be like, give, give me the ball. And Troy Brown is on that side of the court and he has the ball right as AD is about Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. He turns his head away from AD and looks to the top and swings it to like D'Lo at the top of the key. And then D'Lo starts to look, to the other wing, like, oh, well, let's do some guard stuff, like, right? And meanwhile, AD is on the other side, like, what the hell? It's, it's, <sighs> yeah. That's how AD was looking a little bit yesterday. And so I'm, I have this acute awareness of when the guard's like, nah, man, like, he ain't touched the ball in six possessions. Like, you just got to give it to him yeah. one, like, like one time. Because if, if he goes too long, then it's just like, oh, well, I'm going to just shoot this turnaround jumper because I got a touch finally. And so there are things that I want to see worked out there, but in the bigger picture, I agree with where you're at, Pete, that it's just like, they've gone to this dude enough that they know that that's in their back pocket. Mm -hmm. And I also thought they knew in these last few games, they don't need to do that in order to get these wins. And these final games, Mike, they look to me like, I've seen these games hundreds of times watching good Lakers teams, right? Which is we're yeah. going to give the requisite effort in order to win this basketball game. The tricky part for us is like this Lakers team hasn't always been this Lakers team. They haven't always been a good team. Mm-hmm. We just talked about how they were six games under 500 eight weeks ago. So they're not, they weren't a good team. And so I don't have the same grace for them doing this sort sort of stuff. That's part of the reason why I think the new guys have been such an interesting infusion of energy and perspective. D'Lo had some great comments about this very thing in the postgame, Mike, where he was talking about like uh, the 
like he basically what he was getting at was that the guys who were here, there's a bit of trauma from the, how the last couple of years went that D'Lo and Vando and Beasley and, and Rui, they don't carry with them in ways that like he's D'Lo's really been talking about the importance of infusing a positivity in the team and a sort of like embracing of the moment that I think is important to this idea. And part of why it's been able to flip is because a lot of the parties involved, they don't carry all that baggage. That's true. I, so all this to me gets down to a, a matter of, so what do we just see? What do we just see for these last two months? How good is this team? Mm. What can they actually do in the postseason? And I'll, I'll just do a, I'll do a little teaser on it and then maybe we can get into it a little deeper. But so if you just look at, if you just look at like title odds, now this isn't, this isn't or NBA betting odds. I don't like to go on these numbers a ton because some of them are just like, how do we get the most money bet on a certain team? And mm-hmm. so they're not necessarily, this is who we think the best teams are, but the Lakers are seventh. So it's like Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, Golden State, Philly, Denver, Lakers. So they're ahead of the Grizzlies and the Clippers and the Cavs and the Kings and the Knicks, the Heat, some of the, you know, some of these other teams. If you look at since the trade deadline, the Lakers are sixth in net rating at 4.8 points per hundred possessions. Now that to me is a little bit more misleading because you have some teams that have been, you know, just kind of coasting to the finish line it, Denver, for example, mm-hmm. is 15th. I think that also reveals that Denver has some real flaws. Uh, mm-hmm. The Clippers are 17th there. You've got like the Kings have certainly dropped off a bunch for their last three, including not trying to beat the Warriors, which may have helped the Lakers get into the six. Like they're all the way down at 12. Uh, you've got a couple other teams that are high, like New York is third. Um, I think that's a little bit, they have some similar things going on as the Lakers where they brought a couple of guys that like Josh Hart that ju- and they're just trying really hard and they're battling and, and which I like, but I think I'll probably have them losing to the Cleveland in round one. But basically the way that to kind of bring D'Lo into this now, this team is good right now. They're not the team that didn't fit last year. They're not the team that started this season. They've got a lot of different things they can do. I personally have loved how they've they've been even though Rui couldn't get a three to go down and there were a couple that went in and out like they they're putting him in certain lineups now that they weren't earlier that are looking the you can still be big when Vanderbilt's out uh, they're like the the way that Austin is playing every game now Russell continues to shoot the ball great uh, which is really big so they're like they're a good team they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a really tough out um, if they can just get to that to that level, but like sixth in net rating seventh in NBA finals, you know, that sounds about right. Uh, honestly, even though you might put a couple teams up and a couple teams down, like they are, they are, I think fairly in that mix now. And we still haven't seen them really put everything together and play their best basketball. Yeah. I'd, I'd have us a, a couple slots higher in terms of title odds. There are a couple teams there where I've seen how their movie ends with the same people involved and like LeBron and AD when they're healthy in a seven game series, you know, I, I'm fascinated to see what they're capable of. I let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about LeBron. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This to me speaks to just kind of the fundamental question of when you look around the at those title odds and kind of who their main duos are and the main people that will be driving that will be navigating the the course going forward. I feel like if you gave LeBron James at any other point of his career this team that we have right now, he's definitely taking them to the finals, right? Like that LeBron being absolutely incredible in the playoffs D is something that's been baked into every other team that he's been on that's gotten that far. And he's never not reached that point. Now, this is the hardest mountain that he's ever had to climb though, right? In terms of physically, he's coming off of this torn tendon in his foot. Thank God he got these last seven or eight games or however many it was rather than the last three. I've been pining for LeBron to make a jump shot <laughs> or at least to, for his jumper to look good uh, for all season long. And he hit eight threes in this last game against Utah, crowned himself at the end of it when he hit the, the punctuation mark three, Darius. And so LeBron James has the tools at his disposal, the tools at his disposal to go to make some real noise with this team. I am fascinated to see where it goes. So talk to me about where you're at with LeBron and what do you think he's able to do at this point? So just a quick point on on uh, those made threes, Pete. So eight for 14, the last game, which is (laughs) incredible. Um, but three for seven the previous game, and then mm-hmm. the game before that, four for six. Yes, yes, right? yes. And so it's not just like, oh, he hit eight. It's just like last three games have been trending a certain way. Now, LeBron had a particularly poor three-point shooting season. He did have a stretch right in the middle of the year or something like that where he looked really good from beyond the arc, and that ended up being a bit of fool's gold, right, in terms of it being able to stick. And so – but it's neither here nor there. I'm I'm just very happy that he's found comfort again with that shot and he is taking it with confidence. One other side note, seeing some people with like the 
oh, it's corny, LeBron crowning himself. Oh, uh, God. Just stop. Who cares? Like, dudes can shimmy and shake and celebrate all all of they want. I saw Giannis do this same exact, like, crowning thing when they played the Lakers, as a matter of fact. And they beat the Lakers one of those times, and he was giving himself the crown. And it's just like, look, this is just dudes celebrating and have a good time. Like, please just stop. Who cares? Now that all that is off my chest. Been too online lately, I think. Um, <laughs> LeBron and this team and that idea of in the past, like postseason performance has been baked in. Mike, this is this is an interesting thing about his Lakers stint, right? And so this is he just completed what his fifth regular season with the Lakers, sixth, uh, fifth, mm-hmm. fifth. So he missed the playoffs his first season. Second season they won the title. The third season, they made it via the play-in. Then last season, they missed the playoffs. And this season, they looked like a team that was not going to make the playoffs for 60% of the year, 65 70% of the season. And then they turn it on late, and then they make it. And so to Pete's point, that, I, that benefit of the doubt that is baked into like LeBron being great, I, I think that fewer people are giving that to him now. And I don't know if that's deserved or not, honestly. Like, he has had some real up-and-down moments since he's come back from from this foot, and he has not put the pedal to the ground in a way where after the All-Star break, he had said, these are the most important regular season games of my career. And he has not always put his foot to the pedal that way and i commented on this a few pods ago but i was just like it's almost like he was do as i say not as i do Mm. with those comments it was almost a call to the rest of the team as much as it was a call to to himself and so i'm interested to see what he does i think part of it too is him getting his machine being his body being his machine like kind of up and running in ways that it's taken him longer to, you know, we always talk, Mike, about AD taking about a month to kind of get revving up all the way. I've noticed that when LeBron's missed time too, this has been an ongoing storyline that when he'd sit a game, you know, in a back-to-back or something like that, or even miss a couple of games, it would take him a couple of games to get back to kind of that high level that he was at, which is why that eight game stretch rather than the last three games of the season, I think was so important. So I think that's a factor in this too, is just he's trying to tune, tune up an aging machine, you know, to the point that he wants to in totally less than less than ideal circumstances with his foot. Yeah, I think tuning up is a good way to put it. It's a good way to look at it. And it's that's why that's why another reason why I mentioned these games against Utah and Phoenix who are playing guys that are only out there to play hard. It's harder to tune up in those games because they're it's just a different it's just a different type of a game. It's a different type of a thing. You can't you can't really go through the scouting report uh, and prey on exactly what a team loves to do when they're just going out there and just playing freestyle. And, and on one hand, it means that you can score on them pretty easily, which we saw the Lakers do. They scored 135, 121, and then 128 points on those teams. And then those teams were just sprinting up the court the other direction. That's right. <laughs> and couldn't wait to jack up shots and get. So it wasn't, it's not real. Like NBA basketball in that sense, like uh, even if you would go ahead, Pete. Well, I, I was just going to ask you, like, do you th- do you think that that's? I think that's kind of dangerous. Darius in the text thread was like playing four teams in a row that aren't playing for anything, that are sitting guys, right? Like before you play high stakes games, I think you can get kind of seduced into bad basketball. 
Of course, of course you can. And I think that happened to an extent, and it, it certainly happened the last two. But the Clippers, the Clippers played a playoff type game against the Lakers. Uh, very much. Ty Lue played that game like a game seven. So that's one. And Minnesota did for the most part as well uh, in the game that Anthony Davis just completely uh, dominated. And I think that generally speaking, those can be tricky. But in a, when you're going in and you know that it's a play in situation, just like, OK, so I, I gave I gave an example of this, I think, uh, in the chat. But I had talked to LeBron in AD after they did their media sessions after the Phoenix game and LeBron basically being like, we're not getting on a plane. On Monday, I, I, <laughs> I'm not promising the game is going to be pretty, but it's not. We're not losing that game. It's not going to happen. Right. They do not want to have to play again after Tuesday. LeBron and AD acutely know the, the, the difference in that. And to mm-hmm. me, that's a difference. Honestly, for this team with LeBron and AD, that, that might be the difference between winning a, a playoff series and losing a playoff series. If you have to not if you don't get that one break of four to five days I agree. from Tuesday until it probably starts on thir- on Sunday. And you have to get a whole nother scouting report and just mentally the load that mentally this team has had to have. So I think that even if it, like, I don't think this is going to be the prettiest game against Minnesota, but I think it's going to be another game where they, they, they definitely play hard enough to start and sort of do enough and take advantage of Minnesota really being different but without McDaniels to be able to guard LeBron on the perimeter and then having to stretch Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince, good players, but then not having as much to, to bring off the bench around that and likely not having Gobert. I know we'll get into that tomorrow. Maybe I shouldn't say likely. I guess it's questionable. They haven't decided if they're going to suspend him. I would guess they'll suspend him. But I think that they, the Lakers can, that can get things together enough to get to a series. And then once you get to a series, it's a whole nother conversation because then it's all like at mm-hmm. a certain point, the basketball and the lineups and the rotations, all of that stuff becomes pretty crystal clear. They just have to get through one more of these games against a team that is going to be, yes, um, playing hard in the sense that these previous couple teams have, but at least are going to have some things that you can prey on. Uh, and in this case, it's going to be no rim protection, most likely. Uh, if Again, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it's going to be. If Gobert doesn't play, but even if he does, then AD knows how to attack that too. Um, so... Hopefully that made some sense, but I I just think that it's it's a game. It, this is kind of like a stepping stone to a series. This game, like it's going to be a, a step up from what the Utah and Phoenix games have been, uh, but still a little bit messy based on the quick turnaround and based on all of the the uncertainty. But uh, it's it's a situation I think that LeBron and AD uh, mentally can take can kind of take charge of showing the team how to play in it. LeBron and AD, and this is where like it really does all start with them. That's really the ticket to where the Lakers are going to go. Darvin Ham said said this himself like a couple of weeks ago where he basically said like at this time with this team, AD is the guy who's going to lead us to the place that that we're going, right? Like he is the guy. And I think he said that after the Wolves game, actually. But LeBron is LeBron. And he's going to – this is the time of year where muscle memory will kick in for him. And he is going to commandeer possessions. He is going to become the orchestrator of everything. And I guess we'll talk about this more and more, potentially, if the Lakers get into a playoff series. But like your first gut reaction, like where are you at in terms of him and that ramp up and that tune up that you're talk- talking about and the bridge that needs to get crossed from that tune up to like, I'm in this and, and I'm ready to perform to the level that the team needs him to perform at in order to 
go where they want to. Yeah, it's something that you you made a comment earlier about how he's getting less benefit of the doubt than he ever has. And I feel myself in that position as someone who's very much rooting for him, right? It's more... Uh, it's more of father time is undefeated, right? Like he's taken him to 20 rounds and who knows how many he's going to take him to, but eventually we know the outcome of the fight. And so he's gone through so much physically the last couple of years between the last time where he was very much the guy good enough to do that job and lead a team to the title that I don't know where that point is where, and if it were, and if he were to be that guy, does it require more than an eight game ramp ramp up on a torn tendon in a foot? Like these are not ideal conditions for him to have been going into the playoffs. That said, in the context of getting AD the ball, I am very confident that LeBron James is going to know where the ball is supposed to go in a high leverage game. I think one thing that we've been seeing, and this has been true at different points of the season where we haven't gotten AD the ball as much as possible, is I think a guy like LeBron looks at the regular season, and more and more, Mike, the whole league is looking at it this way, as a way to tune up for the postseason. And he's been so up and down physically that I think he's been working on himself a lot. But in games that we really need to win, that Minnesota game. Part of the reason why AD had 19 in that fourth quarter is because LeBron would have the ball on one side. He'd pass the ball to Deal and be like, go over there to that guy. Give him the ball. You know, so when the time comes, I think LeBron's going to know what to do. Okay, that's the point right there that I wanted to get to. Um, So nice little alley-oop here. LeBron is always talking about playing the right way. And D'Lo talks about this a lot too. So these are two guys that I think really under, and Austin, by the way, yep. these are guys that that really understand basketball. And the simple point is like, if if player A has an advantage, then that player should go use it. Yeah. And if 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 I'm open, I should shoot it or I should make a play myself. And, and it's, it, things get more complicated than that unnecessarily often in the NBA. But this is where you now bring Anthony Davis into it. So for, for players like LeBron, and D'Lo, the way defenses are scouting the Lakers right now, it's very AD heavy. AD is the first thing on the scouting report, so he is getting the the extra bodies are getting sent to him uh, in a different way even that they might have been used to um, at LeBron. And I think that sometimes, not all the time, and I don't think I'm going to have to twist Darius's arm on this, but like sometimes you have to not necessarily play the right way and and give it to AD more even if he is covered and even if you know the double is coming, cause that, that then is going to open things up so much more on mm-hmm. the other side. So it's like, that's, and, and I think Pete, you just hinted at this too, that LeBron ultimately will get there. And I think that this is part of the, where Russell has to get with this team and with AD is that no, 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 no. He is the biggest advantage right mm-hmm. now. Even if the defense is asked, you don't have to go away from it just because the defense is asking you to, to again, repeat a point. I think Darius made like two weeks ago. Yeah. I just think that, there's sometimes we can overthink things to the point where it's just like, well, if the ball is going to end up in a guard's hand anyway, because they're double teaming AD, well then let's just work it towards that action anyway. And my point is, is like, don't, if they're hard double teaming AD, Pete, don't skip the step, get them to double team. That's right. Because once you get them to double team, yeah. Once you, once you get them to double the advantages, created and then the play the right way is actually simple ball gets kicked out swing 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 attack a closeout drive and kick someone's going to get a wide open shot because this team decided their best plan was to defend a single player with multiple players that's right and that in the history of the league pete 
that has been the goal of offense. Yep. It's to score the ball and then to create such an advantage with your best player that they decide we actually can't play one-on-one against this guy because he will just beat us. And in the history of the league, the guys who have been able to do that most often, they are the players who have all the damn championships, right? Except for like Bill Russell, who was a different sort of dynamic force, particularly defensively. He was the dude that made it so that you didn't have to ever deploy two to anywhere else because he would be the lone protector back there who was, who was going to play everyone one-on-one. Well, the crazy part, D, is Anthony Davis is that guy too. Yes. No, totally. And so, but if you, and this is where today's NBA is what, what it is, and, and Shaq, to a certain extent, is the guy who verbalized this, it's that idea of do not ask the big dog to defend the house and you don't feed the dog. Like, got to feed the big dog if, like, if you want the big dog to protect everything. And that's that, that's that mix, right? But here's the thing, and, and maybe we'll close on, on this idea because I think we really should leave the Minnesota talk to when we actually have more information on what's going to happen with Minnesota. There's few players I trust in the league more than LeBron James and Anthony Davis to understand the stakes of a playoff run. Go look at Anthony Davis's playoff numbers if you want to know how he treats the playoffs and how well he understands the ability to raise his game. And LeBron James's resume speaks for himself in terms of playoff runs. Pete, you let off the LeBron discussion with at any other point in his career, you give him this quality of team and they're going to the finals. Yeah. Yeah. It's because that's what he's done his yeah. entire career. He's taken B, B plus, and pretty much every A-level team that he's had to the finals. That's what he's done if he's been healthy. And and so those two guys are the guys that I trust. Like there's few players I trust more than those two two guys or few players that I trust, like even at the same level as them, like the Stephs and the Durants and like the Giannis's. But it's a very small group of players that I think when the playoffs start and the lights come on, these dudes are going to be ready, ready. And that's sort of where I'm at with this Lakers team. And I'm just hoping that the rest of the players around them understand, oh, oh, this is what this means with these guys. And if that coalesces, I'm super interested in what this team can do. I think the way I would frame it, and Darius, you're right, let's leave the Minnesota breakdown until tomorrow. But the way I would frame it is that the Lakers have now figured out at least a certain amount of what an identity can be for this group. And they have put themselves in the best play-in opportunity that they could have as the seventh seed against a team that is weakened um, by losing their best two-way player in some senses. Well, I think actually Edwards is a better two-way player, but McDaniels as a three and D um, who's really emerged this year as a good player. He's not going to play. We'll see about Gobert. Either way, this Lakers team is better Um, just with roster fit and all that. The best player um, right now being AD and, and with LeBron building up like they they are better and they should go into this game confident that they are going to win the game. And if so, then they're going to be the seventh seed and they're going to go in the road and they're going to play against a, a Memphis team. But like they they have they have done the work of all of these games leading up, which each one of them had a certain amount of pressure and they didn't have much room for air. 
And had they mm-hmm. lost even one more of those, I know we point to the games that they did lose, but without pointing out all of the games that they could have lost, that could have should us. Mm-hmm. And they could be in a far different spot. They easily could be the 10 seed or the nine and have to go to two, two road arenas against young teams, mm-hmm. like exciting type, uh, fun type teams that are going to just battle. They don't have to do that now. They are home. It's a, it's a Laker. I always talk about the Laker playoff crowd. That certainly applies to the play-in. Fans know what's what the stakes are. That is going to lift them as well. And that crowd, the crowd was wanting to get there the last couple home games, but they knew too. Let me take that back. They didn't know because we didn't know what the situation was going to be, even like right after the game, who the opponent was going to be. It's now known when this game, you're in a full playoff series. And so all of that is a, is big. All of the all of these things are playing into the Lakers' favor. And they did the job to get themselves in that spot. And they just simply need to take care of business now um, on Tuesday night. Real quick, before we go, Lakers signed a couple of guys the last day of the season, uh, signed Shaq Harrison and Tristan Thompson. Just real quick rundown. I watched uh, Harrison a good deal at the facility this year. He was on our G League team, big physical guard who's played some NBA minutes. Darvin alluded to this yesterday, but I, I feel like both signings address in a 14th and 15th man kind of way, at least, the, the biggest weaknesses on the team in terms of a point of attack physical defender. Uh, most of our guards are small or not physically very strong between Dennis, D'Lo, and Austin. And so Harrison represents just a different style of player in that respect that, who knows, you never know. You could you may need that attribute. And then the backup five spot has been one where Wenyon's been having a rough go of it for a number of reasons, our point of attack defense being part of it. But that's a spot that we haven't settled yet that I think is going to be a big determining factor in how far we go. And I think Thompson is at least a grizzled veteran that's been there, done that on LeBron teams. So let's wrap up here. Uh, we'll get into more discussion about them, maybe maybe tomorrow, maybe a future pod uh, in, bet- in the break in between. But we'll be back tomorrow to preview the Minnesota game in full. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James.
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.